Okay, we are live. I'd like to welcome welcome you to Wicked Spursy. This is a an attempt at a podcast from from three of us who uh, share something in common. We are passionate fans of the Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. We live in Vermont. We are members of the Vermont Spurs Supporters Club, and we enjoy talking about things that we're passionate about. So today. Um, I'm Dave. I'm joined by Steve and Mike, and we're just going to give this an effort. This is our first time. See where this goes. Our ultimate goal is to share this with with folks in our club and just have this be a way to communicate with others. And if it becomes anything more than that, we'll be we'll be grateful if that's the case. So, Steve, how about first? Why don't I turn to you? Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, and most importantly, Steve, why are you Spurs? Yeah. Uh... Glad to be here. This this is a fun thing for us to do. I'm really excited. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, I'm Steve. Uh, in my off time, I do work as an analyst. So, um, you know, the way my mind works, I kind of look at things and try to see where they all fit together, how the pieces go through and, um, you know, kind of use that on a, in this case, game to game basis to understand, okay, well, what can we expect? How are they going? How are things progressing? Um, just instead of numbers and, and data, I'm looking at players and form. Um, so a lot of what I'm probably going to be bringing to the table is is just that, right? Looking at how players are performing, how the team's performing, um, any kind of opposition, if I manage to catch them uh, and, and see how that goes. Um, so what makes me Spurs? So this is a fun question. Um, it's actually complete random coincidence i happened to back when i was living in, in new jersey in high school i managed to get a, a phone call um from the new york red bulls they had a double header going on um at red bull arena it was red bulls and i believe it was manchester city and then the second header was sporting lisbon and tottenham and it was like 10 bucks for a ticket. So I thought, well, all right, <laughs> you know, that's pretty close by. $10 is $10, double header. Sounds great. So I ended up buying the tickets. Um, we went down, my, myself and my mom. And uh, yeah, I just remember, you know, the first game, it was, you know, nothing to write home about. It was, you know, Man City right as they were entering their kind of oil money phase. And, you know, they were still getting things sorted out. Um, but it was the second game, um, Tottenham, that one just completely blew my mind. The way they played, absolutely beautiful. It was gorgeous. I remember going home and just being so excited about them. I wanted to learn everything. And um, I remember just being completely like enamored with you know, Robbie Keane. He was my player at the time. Loved watching Robbie Keane play. Um, and just from there, I, I just grew with it. So that, that's sort of my story. Um, I guess from here, I guess I can pass it over to Mike and let him give his little introduction. Yeah, Steve, great story. Appreciate appreciate knowing that. That's a quite a double header to look back on. So, uh, good thing that you were there, Mike. How about you? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why Spurs. Um, my name is Mike. I uh, grew up uh, right here in Vermont, uh, down in the Rutland area. Um, Rutland, as everybody probably most people in Vermont know, if if you're into high school sports is the uh is the kind of center of um of american football in vermont uh so we didn't have a lot of exposure you know as kids growing up uh playing soccer my high school soccer team was mostly um exchange students and a few other kids from surrounding areas who didn't grow up with football so um 
myself uh, in, in finding finding love for a sport that I never knew really existed outside of outside of Europe. Uh, it was it's kind of funny. It, it, I I was kind of led there by um, by my son, um, who is completely completely 100% European football like um, everything about it from from just the way that he loves to play outside to watching a game putting FIFA on the on the Xbox um, so when he was very young um, I had the opportunity to kind of just one day there was no sports on so we were flipping through the channels and we saw you know, Brazilian uh, football team playing, and uh, it was it was just a friendly. And of course, there's a guy with Lucas on the back of his jersey, and uh, we kind of noticed that, and it was kind of fun to watch. And we're like, I was like, okay, I can get into this. I yeah, I've never really watched it outside of the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, so um, after that happens, then. You know, we start seeing a lot of NBC sports broadcasting the games. And uh, it seemed like every weekend for a while, Tottenham was on. So we're watching, we're watching. You know, it's very fun to watch. It's very exciting. Still kind of learning the game. Um, and then one week, we flipped on the game, and there's this Lucas guy, same guy. He's on our Tottenham team. We had kind of adopted that Tottenham team, but we've my son was over the moon and uh it was uh right after he got transferred and and of course it's right in the middle of Pochettino ball and which is very very exciting uh brand of football to watch uh from what i've experienced uh watching the games in the past few years so we got sucked in immediately um just like steve i wanted to learn everything there was to know about the history of the team um, where they came from, and it's mostly because of the the, the joy that my son gets out of watching the game. So, um, you know, ever since then, I'm a very pro Lucas. <laughs> um, sometimes uh, that makes people cringe, but um, I'm very pro Lucas, um, and uh, I'm really here because of of my son, who's eight years old now, but he got stuck in at a young age, so now we're both here. So I expect basically my story. It's fantastic. I can imagine May of 2019 was a phenomenal time to be pro Lucas, right? That's a, that's a fantastic era in his career. That's, that's one of my son's first memories. Uh, seeing, seeing Lucas and having a, a soccer memory. Uh, we were watching that game and he was pretty down and out. And I said, Oh, probably over for us, buddy. And then the first goal hit and then the second goal hit. And, uh, and when Lucas hit that that hat trick, he jumped off the couch probably about four feet off of the couch into into my arms, and I've never seen him so excited. So that was a it was a great moment, and pretty much solidified me as first. That's fantastic. You just you just made me remember that particular game that when the hat trick hit, um, I was watching it alone on an iPad in my family room, and the only other person home in the house was my my son who um, was home from college and that, that goal went in and I started screaming like crazy. And of course 
my son thought I was dying. Uh, you know, came running up from the basement just to make sure dad was okay, but said, no, I'm just, I'm just watching football. It's all good. Um, Mike, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's a, that's an excellent story about the origins and, and a little bit about you. My name is Dave. Um, I am a, uh, I've been in the Vermont area for about seven years now. I'm a Chicago kid uh, by origin, grew up in the Chicago suburbs and, and moved to Vermont with my family a few years back. And coming to, to Spurs for me was uh, really kind of a matter of choice. You know, I grew up similar to what Mike just described. I grew up as kind of your typical baseball, basketball, football type of kid. Um, my passion, especially in a, in a younger age, and I still am passionate about it, is, is baseball. And uh, I'm a fan of the Chicago White Sox. And, you know, for me, going to a baseball game and seeing the seeing the the, the green field and, and the crowd and just, just the atmosphere, you know, was as much of a joy for me as, as you know, actually the, the competition going on uh, on the ball field. But um, that plays a role in kind of my decision making on on Tottenham, actually. But um, several years ago, probably four years ago. Uh, I had no familiarity with soccer or or what the rest of the world knows as football at all, and decided I, I want to understand this and I want to I want to try to make sense of it. And I, I decided the first thing I needed to do was was pick a team. And so to go back to the baseball thing, um, if you know anything about Chicago, there's there's the good team, the Chicago White Sox. And then there's this other team called the Chicago Cubs that gets a lot of attention. And, and the fan bases of those two teams don't exactly love each other. You know, they can manage to coexist. Uh, but they don't exactly love each other. So I, I thought, you know, I need to look for a team that uh, is from a bigger city and someone that has kind of a natural geographic rival. And uh, surprise, um, there was there was this outfit in North London that caught my attention. Uh, this name, Tottenham Hotspur, just kind of called out to me in some strange sort of way. And, and like Mike said, I just decided to start researching. I decided to start figuring out, you know, what's this club about? So I, I chose my club and then then I had to figure out what I was watching. You know, I, I can still remember being befuddled at like not understanding how offsides worked. I can remember being confused, like, wait, when did they throw it in? And when did they get a corner kick? And when's it a gold kick? And, and what's a back pass? And like all these things that I heard people saying that I had no clue what any of it meant. But part of the joy for me was, was actually learning that and, and becoming familiar with something that I had not had an opportunity to experience as a kid. And uh, my family would tell you now, while I do follow other sports, I'm obsessive about one, and it's uh, it's you know international football, in particular English football, and in particular our club Tottenham Hotspur. So uh, it's a, it's a joy for me. Uh, by day, I'm a uh, I'm a school administrator. Started my career as a as a teacher, and then um, got into administration a while back. And so it's a uh, it's uh, that's my story in a nutshell. So thanks to each of you guys for for sharing for us, Steve. Let's go back to you. I'm wondering if you could. Um, Tell us your perspective. We're kind of sort of at the midway point of the season right now, right? So is this season what you thought it would be? Has it played out the way you you, you expected? And, and what do you see as you look ahead at the second half of the season for us? You know, I think this is, that's an interesting question for me. Um, at the beginning of the season, if you told me that we would be where we are, I, I'd be pleased with that, to be honest. Um, you know, I think we as supporters – feel like maybe we could be doing a bit better, but mostly because of just how crazy it's been all around Tottenham, right? Liverpool dropping points, Man United dropping points, City dropping points. I mean, it's just, it's hectic around us. It's unpredictable. Anybody could beat anybody at this point. Um, so in context, I feel like, you know, 
knowing what we know now and, and being what 18 games into the season obviously we could be in a much better position um but I, I found myself thinking a lot about this comment that uh, that Mourinho had made uh, probably, what, maybe a month or two back now, um, back when we were top of the table and, and everybody was asking, you know, is this a title team or do you have a horse in the race? And Mourinho said something like, we have a pony, you know. And at the time, I just thought, all right, you know, that's got to be classic Mourinho. Let's downplay this and, you know, temper expectations, whatever. Um, but, you know, obviously we hit a rut. Uh, results haven't been going our way. The performances haven't quite been there. And you can start to see, I guess, what exactly he means. You know, we've got the structure. We just don't have enough on the inside to really make a play for that, you know, title winning position. Um, and I think we'll touch more on that uh, a, a bit later, um, you know, in the, in the show here. But it does have a feel that we are maybe too or three uh, really solid additions from being a title contending team. And I think right now on the back of where we are and how things could have been going, again, ask me at the beginning of the season, I'd be perfectly happy with where we are now. Um, I'm a little disappointed where we are now, but I think it's a reasonable place for us to be. And, and you know, we definitely deserve it right now. What happens in the second half of the season, I think, you know, probably expect more of the same um yeah i i imagine we'll finish top four but it's going to be one of those seasons where we're all i think as fans expecting us to be doing much better especially given all the opportunities that we have to take points and and really climb up there uh but this just feels like the place that we're destined to be right now um yeah i guess that's just my take on it um i don't know what about you guys what are you thinking yeah, Mike, how about we go to you? Same question. Uh, halfway through. Surprised where we are? Pleased where we are? What do you think? Um, quite honestly, if you had told me at the beginning of the season, I'd probably say we'd probably be about right here. Um, that, that said, I'm slightly disappointed at the direction we've gone um, in the past few matches. Um Turns out I, I saw a stat uh, a couple of weeks ago um, saying that we've dropped, I think it was somewhere around or over 10 points from winning winning positions or, or draw positions. Um, so, I mean, like Steve said, we're probably a couple of um, pretty decent additions away from really, really getting over that hump. But right now, um, I think, yeah, we're probably right where we should be. Um, this may be where we end up finishing, um, but early in the season, I think we we got really excited about this team. We got kind of excited about the fact that the tactics that we thought we were going to see and we did see are actually working. Um, I think a lot of Spurs fans have a problem um, adjusting to the style of football that Marino plays. Um, but at this point, yeah, I think we're right where we should be. I'm not, I'm not too disappointed. I have been disappointed in, in, you know, a few of the, a few of the matches, but, but we're expecting, you know, we're expecting Harry Kane to be Harry Kane. We're expecting Stone to be able to be all over the field in the box, 
Um, I actually did not expect them to have so many goals at this point. I expected uh, a lot, a lot more, uh, a lot more passing, a lot more fancy footwork, him driving the ball into the corner and crossing it back in. But um, very, very pleased with, with the two of them. Um, I'm pleased with how the Soko is coming along. Um, I, I really thought that the Soko was probably on his last legs at this point. Um, but I think Mourinho's done a great job with, with you know recognizing when he needs to be off the pitch um especially with all the congestion that we've had so i'm real happy with where we're at right now um at, at this point in the season mike i think i'm going to come back to you um with a question about Mourinho, and if, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to jump ahead in the running order because, you know, anybody who does a podcast has to say the word running order. So now I've done that, and, and that makes us legit. But, you know, I, uh, I, I enjoy, and this may be a part of just the work I do, I'm not sure, but I enjoy kind of the process of watching something build. And I'm always interested in, like, what's more fun, right? Like watching something build up to become something that we can all love or watching it when it's at its peak. You know, I'm, I'm curious about that. Obviously nobody likes when things fall off a cliff after the, after the peak. But when I look back at where we were a year ago, um, things were a disaster, right? Kane got hurt right after new Year's. Sissoko got hurt. Sonny got hurt. I mean, we were, we were beat up going into the COVID lockdown. Um, and we had the, we had the benefit when we came back after the lockdown of had a pretty good run to finish sixth and, and, make Europa and watching kind of the spirit of the team um, stiffen up a little bit, I guess would be the word I would say the resolve stiffen up a little bit, you know, when we used to see them wilt, they, they would stand the ground a little bit more. That doesn't mean that we don't still just ship in goals in the 88th minute, which is, you know, infuriating to all of us. But Mike, I, I want to go to Mourinho. Um, is he your guy? And, and, whatever your answer to that is, what's the reason for why he is or isn't your guy? Kind of, what do you see in the scope of Mourinho? Okay. Um, so only knowing what I know of, uh, Mourinho from, from, because I am so new and, uh, especially in English football, um, knowing what I know about him, uh, and the research I've done hearing friends, I have many friends who are a uh, man new fans. Um, Marino is what he is. He's going to be the guy who comes in. He wants to be the guy who comes in and turns a, turns a club around. Um, he wants to win the silverware. He, he wants the adoration of his club and the fans. And then once he gets that, he's going to go away. So, you know, obviously he's an all-time top manager. Um, Around around the entire world of football, um, outside of the United States, obviously, but um, he's got that really boring, annoying strategy of sitting back and playing defense, um, but it actually works. But it's brought trophies to clubs. Um, the other thing that I really love about Mourinho, and I am pro Mourinho. Um, it's just he's got this infectious enthusiasm on the touchline that when you're watching matches, it really shows that he cares about his team. I don't know that he cares about the badge or the club. Um, that's for him to answer, obviously. But 
He cares about his team. He cares about his players on the pitch. Um, and the ones that are out there are chosen particularly for whatever strategy he wants to set up. Um, that said, getting to the second half of the first half of the season, you got to look at some of the, uh, the strategical errors he's made. Um, I feel bringing Sissoko up, up front under that, uh, under that right wing, um, um, you know, I, or is that the full the full match, right? Um, you know, a lot of a lot of what I saw there was Sissoko getting the ball, and you know, I I don't think it's a given position. So he gets the ball and it kind of goes there and just kind of dies in the corner. He brings him to the corner and just kind of dies there. You know, he gets dispossessed or or uh, you know kicks it off off somebody out of bounds for a for a throw in. Um, but you know, I mean, that's kind of the things that makes Mourinho a genius sometimes is that he recognizes situations where that he wants to take advantage of. Um, and oftentimes it works. It just hasn't these past few matches. We had a good run of games against big clubs, but we have to remember that too. Um, and, you know, there's something to be said for a strategy um, when, when, in the past, it's worked for him where he's been able to get that one or two goals and then falls back and plays defense for the rest of the game. But when he scores so quickly and so early on, that the team kind of feels, I think, that the, the way he wants to do things are to sit back now, maybe play in the middle of the field, maybe play further back into our own box, um, depending on how attacking the team is, and then just counter if we can. If not, fine. But that the lack of the lack of uh you know solid center backs um that we have um really causes this this situation to happen where we give up a goal in the 86th and 90th plus minute um to tie or to take the game from us to take the points from us um but you know i i am pro Mourinho. i think in the end it's going to work out very very well for us we're not going to win some trophies um uh, we are going to be able to draw some big players to come and play for us, but at the same time, he may alienate some of the some of the people that we loved in the past. Um, you know, which we'll probably get to uh, later on. But um, yeah, I think I think I like Mourinho, and I, I like the way that he's excited about his players and excited for his players when when things are going well. I just don't like the way he kind of throws people under the bus and gets strategy wrong a lot when he thinks he's being a genius, but. Um, he's ours, and, and I'll take him. We're we're in a good spot right now, so um, I I, th- I think Steve probably has a lot of stuff to say about this. I'm guessing he does. Steve is our is our resident analyst and uh, outsmarts all of us on this stuff. Steve, what do you think? Mourinho, your guy, or is 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 he not your guy? Uh, yeah, I mean he is uh, for sure, and I'll tell you why. It's you know. Defense has always been a problem for for uh, Spurs. You know, Pochettino got it right for a while, and then it started going downhill. And um, you know, one of the things that I wish more fans would recognize is if you want to play that nice, brilliant, fun, attacking football, you need to make sure that you have a nice, solid spine, a nice defensive structure. 
Otherwise, it's just going to be open-ended, end-to-end, and whoever scores more is going to win. And that might be exciting, especially for the neutrals, but it's not really a great feeling as a fan when the opposition gets the ball and you're sitting there clenching onto your chair, wondering, oh, no, is this going to be the chance? Is this going to be where they put it away? Yeah, exactly. So... I do appreciate the uh, defensive structure that he's been trying to push on. I think that it's it's definitely necessary, um, especially given how a lot of these top clubs uh, uh, end up playing against us. Uh, the second thing that really has won me over is the mentality aspect of it, um, particularly towards the end of, of the Pochettino era and, and during Redknapp and, and Sherwood. That first goal goes in, game over. You can just shut the game off. You know that the team was just going to deflate and nothing was ever going to happen from it. Um, But now, you know, there is a sense where they can push back. um, And, you know, it doesn't always go our way. You know, Mike mentioned, you know, we drop points um, from winning positions, which doesn't feel great. Um, But I, I remember, you know, being over at, uh, at Goodwater, you know, with you, Mike, that one chance we had for the Man United game. Um, and I remember Bruno got that penalty nice and early on. And it's like, man, you know, I knew that was going to happen. What I didn't expect was then coming back and thrashing Man United and just having an absolute blast doing it. Um, you know, if, if that was Spurs even a year ago, as soon as that penalty goes in, everybody just kind of goes away. They, they lose that that desire to play almost, and, and it just becomes kind of pedestrian um, from there. So he, he has brought in a mentality of, you know, keep pushing, keep going to win. Even when we do concede, you know, you do see them pushing. And, and you know, one of the criticisms that, that I've – thrown at him at times is yeah you shouldn't be pushing for the for the game-winning goal in the 88th minute the game should be already put to bed but they are putting that effort in you know that's nothing that we might have seen a year or two ago um you know if they got that draw that might have just been a game over um and even though we've seen that from time to time this season it's it's Less and less, you know, you, you see that the players are definitely putting more in. And that brings me to my third and final reason why I'm pro Mourinho right now. And it it comes down to the players. Um, you know, I, I think it's no secret that under Pochettino, if he liked you, you were playing. If he didn't like you, that was it. Um, and Mourinho said it time and time again, if you put the effort in, if you do what he wants you to do, his door is always open to you. He's not going to close people out. And you know, I think some of the biggest recipients of that, Ndombele, he could have been sold easily over the summer. He wasn't. He put the effort in, and, you know, people want to praise Mourinho, but he's come out and he said, look, you know, it's it's the player first. The player wanted to do it. The player wanted to show what he was capable of, and, and it's all on him. And, and I believe he also credited uh, uh, Daniel Levy there. Um, but, you know, that's just the type of manager he is. He's not going to freeze people out. He's going to use the players that are available. He's going to use the players that are performing to his expectations. And not just for what we as fans want either. I think the classic point, you know, you could point to Lucas, you could point to Bergwine. Uh, more recently, they may not be scoring the goals for us, but they're doing what Mourinho wants. They're, they're being defensive. They're tracking back. They're covering. 
Um, it might not be what we want to see as fans, but they're clearly doing what he wants. They've got his respect. Um, and, I, you know, I think with that, we're going to see the payoff at some point. Um, you know, it hasn't always been pretty, but, I, you know, the signs are there that we're moving in a positive direction. And I'm, I'm still willing to give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt, let him keep going with it uh, and, and see how it turns out for us. You know, even at the end of this season into next season, uh, you know, if we're at this point next season and things still don't look like they're improving, then maybe I start to question his, his methods. And, and Mike, I think you were spot on. Sometimes tactically, he just doesn't get it right. Um, but he is willing to change and, and, you know, I feel like I'm almost rambling here for a second, but you mentioned the Fulham game where he had Sissoko up front. Well, the very next game, and, and you guys will know this, you know, the listeners probably not so much, um, but I, I specifically called out, look, if we're going to get anything against Sheffield, something needs to change. We can't roll out the same formation. I would posit if that was Pochettino, it would have been the same formation, same tactics. We would have tried to do the same thing. Mario diamond for the 800th time. <laughs> yep, Mourinho changed it up. We saw a different formation, different tactics, and it worked. Yes, it's Sheffield. Yes, they're five points bottom of the table. Nothing to be writing home about. But it could have been a draw. It could have been a loss just as easily. Um, he did what needed to be done for the for the result, and I think um, we'll probably see more of that over the next couple of games with um, Wickham and, and with Liverpool coming up this week. It's well put by both you guys. I and I share your sentiment. I'm 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 pro Mourinho. You know, for for the time being. I what I struggle with with Jose is the strategy decisions at times, the substitution decisions at times. You know that we all know that feeling late in a game when you can just feel the other team keeps asking questions and we don't have answers. Right? You can feel the tide changing. You can feel the goal coming. And you know, it's easy for me on the sideline to be like, "Hey, this is where I would make a change." But you don't see Jose make those changes, and when he does, when he does substitute, I have to admit, you know. And again, I'm new, I'm new to analyzing this, but there are times I'm like, I don't understand why that guy's going in for that guy right now. You know, it just doesn't make sense in the context of how you want a game to flow. But uh, he's been a manager at elite levels for 20 years, and and I have not, and so there's there's obviously a, a wealth of experience to draw from there. I thought the. Uh, the Amazon documentary was interesting to watch, you know, from a Mourinho context. And of course we don't get to see everything in that context. We saw him with a lot of positive affirmation, kind of rah-rah type of vibe. But from everything I read and watch, it seems like that is clearly a part of, of how he does business. And I, I appreciate that. I like that. I like that he tries to build this culture of, yeah, you guys are good enough. We can do this. You know, we can make things happen. I also like that he, he calls guys out, you know, um, as much as we may love Delhi, he called Delhi out from the beginning. Um, and Delhi still hasn't recovered from that. But as you mentioned, other people have. You know, we saw Ndombele's struggle. We probably all expected he might be sold during the summertime. But you've seen people open that door, as he's referred to. And um, Delhi just hasn't quite figured that out yet. But I, I do like his man management. I like that he has um, he's turned a group of guys that looked defeated and tired under Poch at the end and he's he's shaped them into something a little bit different there is a little bit more backbone that appears to be there I do think we're a few guys away right we're a few solid solid positions away maybe this is a good transition to talk transfers but uh we're we're 
we're not quite where we want to be. But as I mentioned earlier, I like watching it build to get to where we want to be. So it's going to be really cool to see how things unfold. You know, maybe not now in January, but especially during the summer. So, Steve, let's go back to you. Let's talk transfers. Um, what are you hearing about what might happen or what might not happen? And what would you like to see happen from a from a transfer standpoint? Yeah, as you know, January is always such a tough time. If you're going to buy anybody, it's going to be at a premium. And honestly, I don't think the club have the funds necessarily to do it. Uh, I think we're, if anything, we'll see departures. We've seen a couple loan moves for, uh, you know, some of the kids so far. Uh, but that's about it. I don't expect anybody coming in. It'll be all about the summer, in my opinion. Uh, the name, the big name that has me super excited is Sabitzer. Um, if we can get him that would be a massive improvement. That's just the type of player that, that we really need in that midfield um, to, to give us that extra option. I mean, you know, Marino, he's tried a couple different things in that midfield to get it to work. The one thing I absolutely never want to see again, and I'm sure you guys have heard me say it to death, never, ever, ever do I want to see both Winks and Sissoko playing in midfield at the same time. You know, I, I understand why he's doing it, the options just aren't there, especially with LaCelso being hurt so frequently, but it just doesn't work. You know, the, to me, they're two players that, that occupy the same space, but for different reasons where you might want Wings to be that more, you know, forward looking, let's pass the ball with little defensive uh, responsibility. Uh, so Soko, you want him more for that defensive responsibility. Um, and I think we've seen that pay off, especially uh, when we've had peak Aurier out on the right-hand side, Sissoko kind of dropping back in and, and covering for him. Sabitzer is the guy that you want replaced in that role. Um, you want somebody who's going to offer both that kind of offensive and defensive protection there rather than you know picking one or the other because you really don't have any other choice. Um, the other, you know, Skinner, Skinner um, has been another one at center back. This is another tough one just because, you know, center backs, you pay a premium for it. You spend 70, Mourinho even had that comment. You could spend $70 million, 70 million pounds, get somebody in, slots in right away, problem solved. But again, you you have to look how old are they, you know, they're getting up there. How much longer can they go on in their peak? Um, or you can get somebody like a, like a Rodon who has some mistakes in him, but the potential's there. Um, uh, you know, we do still need a center back. Uh, I don't think Sanchez is the guy. Um, I, I, he's just too mistake prone, in my opinion. And honestly, it doesn't look like he's got any improvement. He still makes kind of the same dumb mistakes every game uh, that he does play. And there's just an unease about it. So a center back for sure. I think Sabitzer is the absolute, like if we had no other player that we went for, it has to be him in the summertime. Um, Cause midfield is where we're losing right now, uh, in my opinion. And other than that, I think we're in a decent spot. We've got the players, uh, you know, you can question some of their form. You can question uh, uh, their, their potential. I do still think it's there. And as long as, you know, they keep doing what Mourinho wants, the rest is bound to come. Um, you know, I'm not going to write anybody off right away, except for your Sanchez. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I think those are the two big pieces that we need. Maybe a right back if, you know, Aurier goes. I think uh, he's in his last year. Next year, 
Um, so I could see us going in for a replacement there. I, I think I saw a rumor that we might go in for Max Aarons again from Norwich, um, which might be a good get, certainly help us from a, a homegrown perspective. But yeah, I, I mean, we've got the players, we've got the depth. It's just keeping them fit and, and finding the right pieces to, to make us the contenders that we really need to be. So, Steve, let me ask you this, but I'm, I'm going to turn this to Mike first, and maybe we'll come back to you, Steve. Uh, what about Skip? Skip's been impressing in, at Norwich. Um, does Skip have the ability to play that kind of Sabbath role that, you, that you're talking about? Mike, what, what do you think? Does, does, is that an option, or is Skip still a guy for a little bit down the road? I, I think Skip's going to be a guy for down the road. This is like, um, he's, he, I think he's a fantastic talent. Um you know, I, I think I think what they wanted out of him was to eventually become maybe the face of the organization um, when he was younger. Um, I, I I love to watch him play; he's pretty creative. Um, I, I, but I think you know Skip still needs a loan uh, here and there. He's doing you know he's he's playing in Norwich; he's doing well. Um, but I think overall, um, I, I agree with Steve. I think you know. We're, we're looking at a January window where we're in the middle of a pandemic. We don't have, uh, we don't have a lot of money coming in right now. Um, so, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to go out and spend a bunch of money in January. We don't anyway, typically. So when you, when you look at the, the history of the January transfers, I think it's a good time to get a lot of the young guys out there, get them, get them, uh, on the pitch playing, get their legs underneath them, get them fit because essentially they're going to have to be the guy. Um, you know, we don't necessarily want to get to a situation where we end up having to use a, uh, a Tanganga, something like that, like we had to last year. We had to use them. We didn't have a choice. Um, it worked out. I mean, I, he's, he's another wonderful talent. But um, if, if I could kind of talk about uh, um, my my disappointment in uh, how it's worked out with Darty so far. Um, I know he's had the coronavirus situation, but, um, I, you know, I feel like we brought him in. There's been, there's been a couple of things that have happened because he was brought in. Um, I, I think one of them was the fact that I think Aurier is playing pretty well this year, um, probably because of the fact that yeah, Darty was brought in. You know, he felt threatened, you know, a little bit, so I think he's putting a little more effort into it. Um, but I, I think with Doherty, he's just not comfortable enough uh, in that position. That's not where he played when he was with Wolves. I mean, that, he's obviously perfectly capable of playing a right-back role, um, but it's going to take time with him. And I, and I think that's another way, the place where Joe is getting it right. It's kind of, you know, plugging him in in the places he needs to be in, um, Europa League, uh, the FA Cup games, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but what what is the problem with Dory? Is he too lazy? Is he just trying to play too safe? He doesn't want to seem to take on uh, a winger coming at him with the ball, you know. Um, but um, that's, that's probably another conversation we could have another time. But, um, you know, like I said, I like all these kids. I think he's, he's a good talent, but he, he needs to stay out there as long as possible. We don't need him on the field right now. Stavitzer. Um, maybe even bring, we've heard Eric's name again. Um, that's going to be a tough situation because uh, Inter wants, you know, they want to make some of their money back. And, you know, they they want more money. So, um, 
the other guy that we haven't talked about is Tune and Jays, you know. It looks like Chelsea's uh making a play for him now. And uh if there's one team we don't want to get him, it's Chelsea. Um they they seem to have wanted to go out there and spend a crap load of money. Um to get some players. Some have looked out, some haven't. Um, looking at where they are on the table though, I think they're probably comfortable. And if they have a little bit of money that they can, you know, pay a posting fee or whatever it is that some of these Asian clubs be, uh force on on European and American players, uh, you know. Um but I, I think we get we do need that center back. Uh and I think you're seeing it Jose's uh kind of not playing Toby. You know, he's playing him in that Marine game, but he's not playing him, you know, in the league game. So, um, you know, I think he's got two consecutive games, right? And we keep seeing Sanchez in that. I mean, eventually we have to move on from Sanchez. He was the record signing. He makes 63, 65K per match. It's a lot of money, man. You, you can recover with was uh, probably trying to move him on too. So I I don't know what you guys think about that. I, again, I'm starting to ramble, but no, you, you you both hit on the you both hit on the points that that are out there that are questionable, right? So, Mike, question to you: We're going to play the game of uh, keep or sell, all right? So, just your gut reaction. Um, I think Toby's out of contract this coming summer. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think so. So, Toby, right now, keep or sell? Keep. Delhi, right now, uh, keep loan no. or sell? You said sell. Sell, sell, sell. All right. Uh, Steve, let's go to you. How about Lamella? Keep or sell? Keep. Bail back on loan or let him fly? Uh, I'd say loan. Got reaction loan. It was nice seeing him back, but he's just not bringing enough uh, for us. Hate to say it, but. <laughs> Steve, how about Aurier? I'd say sell, and only because. He's in, you know, he's coming into his last year, and you, if he's not going to re-up his contracts, then you got to make the, you know, you got to make some money back for him. Don't want to let him to go cheap. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. All right, while we're on players, how about this question? Who's the biggest surprise player for you this year, either, either good or bad? Uh, Steve, what are what are your thoughts? Biggest surprise? Uh, Hoybeard for me, without a doubt. I mean, I. I Watched him when Southampton uh, brought him on and thought, you know, this is a good player. He's going to do some great stuff for him. Um, when we got him, I was excited for sure. I thought he was going to be, you know, at best like a, a squad rotation type player going in there. But for me, he kind of – he's got to be named number one on the sheet, even with Harry Kane, even with Son. I mean, it's just – what he offers is immense to this team. Um you know, you, I've, I've heard the comment many times this season where he's just like the on-field Mourinho in a way. Um, and you can see it too. When there, when he has the ball, when he doesn't have the ball, he's dictating where players need to be, where the threats are, who needs to be watching for who. I mean, this is somebody who who he came on and, and he's he you can't get rid of him. I mean, if he's not playing, we look worse. When he is playing, you feel, okay, you know, yeah, they're attacking, but – Hoybjerg's there. He's got this covered. No problem. Um, you know, again, I, I knew he'd be good. I didn't think he'd be this good. And and honestly, 
for what we got for him, huge bargain. And I think, you know, Southampton will kind of be feeling the same way with, you know, Kyle Walker Peters and how he's been performing for them. That's that for me has got to be probably trade of the summer for me. Um, both teams got a piece that was incredibly beneficial to them. Both players drastically overperforming where I think anybody expected them to. Um, and it's just been incredible to watch him to the point where, you know, like I said, when he's not playing, it's okay, well, what do we do? Who's going to be in there? Um, there's just, we don't have a replacement for him. Um, I think Skip might be that guy down the line. Um, but I, I also agree with Mike. I don't think he's quite there yet. That's definitely, you know, somebody in the making. But yeah, Hoybier, without a doubt, 100%. And I'm, I'm also going to tackle the worst performer uh, <laughs> just because. Um, and I think for me, that's got to be Sanchez. Um, for a long stretch, you know, I was on board with Sanchez. Uh, but I think it's clear that he was benefiting greatly from, you know, an informed Toby, an informed um, Vertonghen, uh, who would kind of help out and assist there. And I think watching him when he's kind of on his own and doesn't have that sort of experienced support um, sitting back to kind of mop up, he just makes bad decisions. Um, and worse off, he doesn't recover right away. Uh, his pace is pretty much what what keeps him in the running, I think. And, and you know, we talked briefly about why Toby's not playing. Um, I think the only reason that Mourinho's got him in there is for that pace. And I just don't think it's enough. I think he's he's been more of a hindrance than anything else to the point where, you know, if if for whatever reason Toby was injured and we couldn't play him, I would rather change the system completely to support, you know, Rodon in there, you know, kind of like what we saw at, at Sheffield, get Davies, get Dyer, get Rodon in a back three and just let Aurier and, and Serge uh, Reguillon, you know, bomb up the sides. Much rather see that than see Sanchez anywhere near the team sheet um, for sure. Um, but yeah, those, that's gotta be my, my best and worst player so far this season. Yeah, Steve, I, I agree with you completely on uh, best player, biggest surprise. Hoybier has been a, an absolute breath of fresh air. The, the hustle, the grit, the the command of what's going on on the on the pitch, like absolute stud. And you're right, the that swap with Southampton that that worked out well. And to see KWP yesterday uh, contribute to the goal that knocked the Gooners out of the FA Cup didn't hurt either, right? But um, been really impressed with that one. I would say, and and Mike, I'm sorry because I know this is going to hit home. I've just I really struggled with Lucas this year. You know, I I love Lucas. I love what he brings. I love his energy. I love his passion. I love you know, when you see him on videos online, like he's just, he's the guy you'd want to hang around with. But, you know, um, for some reason this year, the highlights are few and far between. What I see all the time is he comes on late, dribbles into traffic, loses possession and and just, you know, puts us in a, in a difficult spot. And that's a struggle. So I really, I think Lucas is a phenomenal squad player and he's a great set of legs to bring on late and, and you know, run people ragged when, when the time is right. But also feel like you got to have the right guys around him to give him the right space he needs in order to top rate. And that just hasn't happened this year. Mike, how about you? Um, what are you thinking in terms of surprises or, or disappointments with players this year? Uh, I, I really, I really have to agree with, uh, with Steve is, uh, is, uh, uh, he's, you know, I, I watched a little bit of him at, at Southampton and, and just, you know, I, I don't, he was such a leader on that team 
to the point of being what looked like at times last year, like the only guy on the pitch for them. Um, I knew he was going to come in and make a contribution. I didn't know it was going to be the big like Stephen. He's out there. He's directing everything on top of looking like he just came out of three MMA matches in a row. <laughs> um, he's a tough guy. A friend of mine, a friend of mine actually uh, texted me. Uh, I, I, we do a lot of uh, a lot of the daily fantasy stuff, and uh, um, not to put in a plug for DraftKings, but uh, let's get them on as a sponsor someday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, he had he had texted me during one game, and he's like. Boy, you're, you know, you're back four or five guys, man. I would hate to get a Donnie book with those guys. You know, he's speaking specifically about Hoy Bear Cub, Hoy Bear and, uh, and Dyer and, 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 uh, not so much Regulon, but Regulon looks like, you know, he might be out the club a little bit. Um, not, not, not Kyle uh, Walker style club, but, you know, um, but yeah, um, He's out there every single day. He works his rear end off. I mean, uh, to the like I said, to the point where he looks like he's been in a couple of, of, of big matches, MMA matches. You know, he puts everything out there. And I know it's a silly cliche, but he leaves it on the field. You know, he really does. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears go into what he does, and I think he enjoys every little bit of it. And, and you saw, I think you saw him earlier in the season. Season he. Uh, you know, he got hit in the face. He got an elbow or something to the face and got cut and was like trying to push his way back onto the field, you know, and, and Jose wouldn't let him go back out there. But, um, and I think he ended up going back out, but, um, you know, I think those are the type of players that Jose likes. He likes those, those big tough guys, um, because they're not afraid to get in the mix, especially the English football, which we know is very, very, very physical. Um, you know, as compared to some of the, the Syria, you know, and, and, and League One, like, teams. Um, so, I, he fits in well with that team. Uh, and again, my biggest disappointment story, I, I, I really thought he was going to be something for us. Um, and again, if he can get a full season out of Aurier, Story blocking him on my team, but you know, you could and to go back to your point about Lucas. Yeah, you know, I talked to my son, and I said, This might be kind of the end of the run for Lucas with us. Um, and you know, he understands the way things go, you know, we're Red Sox fans, <laughs> <laughs> we're good for a couple of years and we get rid of everybody, um, because we stink, but um, you know, with with Lucas, um. He served what Pochettino needed him to serve, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't know, and, and I know Jose loves him, and um, and he just has not been able to get out there and do what he used to do. And a lot of that is a lot of that is his age. A lot of that is not being played all the time. Um, I think he's one of these guys that has to be out there for you know long periods of time. There's a lot of baseball players and football players that are the same way. If they're not on the field, it, it hurts their game, you know. And I think that, you know, with Lucas, it's probably time to hang it up, but then what do you do? Um, you have Stevie B sitting there, um, who, by the way, was a January transfer too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then you have, you have Bale, who we're talking about, 
you know, probably letting him go back. Um, we're talking about having uh, Lamella back there. What is his situation? Um, he, you know, he might be one to to be able that we can sell um, at, a, at, at a high price. It, it, I mean, for that position uh, a backup right winger, but um, we're going to need to keep at least one or two of those guys. Um, we finally kind of have that depth that we've been looking for for years. So, I, you know, in the end, um, again, I said, Oybeer is my, my big surprise. Um, along with Mourinho, I, I think he's done a great job. But, um, and then my biggest disappointment is definitely Doherty. I really thought he was going to be able to be that guy, but um, so far, proven not. So I want to go back to Steve on the Doherty thing because I agree with you, Mike. Um, been disappointed with what we've seen from Doherty this year, Steve. I've I've read a few things that have suggested that um, part of Doherty's challenges this year might be he's he's being asked to play a different position than he played with Wolves. That he was more of a an attacking almost winger type of guy who could charge up the field and and make things happen for Traore. You know, kind of navigating space with him and and. Um, Jose is asking him to play more of a right back traditional type of role. What's your take on that? What do you think on on Doherty's struggles? Yeah, I think that's one hundred percent spot on. Um, he is playing a different position, but you know, I think Mourinho said best uh, what a week ago, two weeks ago. You know, when you're a, a top player playing, um, you know, position, you just got to pick it up. You got to know what to do. You got to run with it. Um, I think he was referring more to, to um, Delhi and some of the criticisms he's he's gotten, but I think the same thing applies to Doherty. Uh, yeah, you can't get up as much as you want, um, but, you know, at, on the same side of the coin, when you do get up, you're not really doing much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're going to make those runs, if you're going to be that uh, offensive threat, you need to have an end product. And if it's not there, then... I mean, really, what are you doing? And, and you know, when he got sent off, uh, uh, what was that, two, three games ago now? Mm-hmm. Um, you could just see the look in Mourinho's eyes like, you know, he was definitely going to get a talking to after that game. Because um, th- that entire match, it was, let me attack. I'm not going to do anything on the attack. And then we just have this wide open, you know, right back position that anybody could run into. And he's not really tracking back for that. Um for me, if, if Doherty is going to do well for us, something needs to change from him personally. He either needs to swallow his pride and, and get used to, you know, being more of a traditional right back, which I imagine that's what Mourinho is trying to push for him, or he's got to find another club. I mean, that's, that's it. Um, you know, I, I think he'll get opportunities to play in that, you know, attacking wingback style. Uh, you know, we had that going against Sheffield and it worked well. So I, I think we might see that again, but if he's not going to do what he needs to do in the other games at right back, Mourinho is just not going to play him there. You know, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You do what Mourinho wants. He's going to, he's going to play you. You don't do what he wants. You know, that's it. You gotta, you gotta, something's gotta change. And it's not going to be Mourinho. That's for sure. I think you just nailed it, Steve. That look Mourinho gave Doherty after that, that late red card was exactly like, come on, man. You know, you're not doing what you're not doing what I want you to do. And we all know you're gonna pay a price when that when that happens and we've we've seen that. So hey, we don't have a ton of time left. Like, but, oh, go ahead, Mike. It's kinda of like you know, it's kinda of like that it was that look at like 
your mom gives you when she told you a hundred times that, <laughs> hey, it, it, that, that's going to spill. That's going to spill. That's going to spill. And then it spills in the carpet. And you're like, what? And she says, I told you it was going to spill. I, I think it was just a lazy, lazy, lazy foul. And, and it kind of just it sums up his whole season so far. It's just laziness. And he, he wanted to be the guy. But you cannot, in Mourinho's system, press with your deep with your with your right and left backs on both sides constantly because if you're not going to get be, be able to track back as quickly as Regulon does then you're going to be caught out of position and you're going to end up with a three on two or a four on three 80 to 90 percent of the time that the ball comes back the other way you, you really have to watch it um and i'm not a tactician <laughs> i again i'm still I'm still only five, six years into this soccer thing, but I, I you know, I, I watch and I've watched enough and educated myself enough to know that he's not doing what he needs to do right now. Um, and, and like Steve said, Marino's just not put up with that. Very well put. Very well put. Let's look at the week ahead. Uh, here's what I'm thinking. Two games within three days. We got Wickham Wanderers uh, Monday in the FA Cup. Uh, Thursday, we got Liverpool in the league. So here's what I here's what I'm thinking for for questions. Steve, you're our tactician. I'd love to hear your analysis of of Wickham and where that's going. And then, Mike, let's go to you. And I want to hear what you're feeling about Liverpool. Second match with them, Liverpool in a in a different spot than they've been in the past few years. Um, they've got injuries. Jurgen's having some challenges. I want to hear what you're thinking and feeling about about Liverpool on Thursday, Mike. But, Steve, let's go to you first with uh, tactical analysis for tomorrow with Wickham. Yeah, look, for me, this has got to be a win. Um, we've been, what, nine days now without a game. Um, and knowing that we've got Liverpool right around the corner, I, I think this is going to be uh, Mourinho's way of, of essentially warming up for Liverpool I think we'll see more first-team players than we did at Marine involved, whether it's at the start or, or as a substitute. Um, but for me, this game's going to go one of two ways. Either we're going to put out our strongest possible starting lineup, try to win the game early, and then you know maybe 60 minutes, bring off Kane, bring off Son, you know, get some of these players rested up ahead of Liverpool, or we're going to see more of a B team with a couple uh, integrated first-teamers out there, and then you know. Again, 60 minutes, let's bring on Kane, let's bring on Sun, let's get them 30 minutes under their belt uh, ahead of Liverpool. Um, but, I mean, Wickham's bottom of the championship, they've not looked great. Um, it should be a, a relatively comfortable win for Spurs, especially given, um, you know, all the time we've had to prepare for it and, and you know, no games to, to fatigue us in the meantime. Uh, and it's going to be one of those, let's look ahead to Liverpool, um, the only question that I guess I really have coming off of that is, do they keep their foot off the gas because they're expecting to coast to a win and then go to Liverpool, which always comes back to bite Spurs? Um, or are they going to really you know, do it right, get the win comfortably, uh, and then they can start looking ahead You know, maybe 60 minutes, maybe even after the first half, depending on how it goes. But... Um, the absolute worst thing they could do is discount them completely. I mean, the, uh, the last game we played against Wickham, uh, fourth round in the FA Cup in the 16-17 season, I believe, 
4-3, and it was a literally last minute of stoppage time winner by Sun off of a crazy deflection. Um, so, you know, you don't write it off. I think Mourinho is going to push for the victory. It's whether or not he starts strong or whether he finishes strong. But either way, I think we're going to see first teamers out there getting warmed up with an eye on Liverpool. Good perspective. And yes, what scares me is uh, B-teamers with a couple first-teamers, slow start, uh, halftime, nil-nil, and then this crazy sense of urgency and the, the risk of a mistake. But I, I suspect I suspect we'll come out stronger. I certainly hope that's the case. Mike, let's go to you. Let's look ahead to Liverpool on Thursday. What are you thinking? Looking ahead to Liverpool. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, after the last game, um, I, I think that Jose, Jose recognized that, you know, we have to work on our set piece defense. Um, we, can't, we cannot be going in expecting that there's going to be a decent challenge on a corner kick in the 86th, 87th minute. Uh, 90, 90 plus minute. Um, I think I, I think they're gonna learn. They're gonna learn from that last game. Um, you know, Firmino came in and got that header. <laughs> Nobody even marked him at all. I mean, I mean, I, that that guy never should have been near the ball. But I mean, it was a great it was a great chance for him, and and and, and it worked out. But um, I, I I think that game you're gonna see you're gonna see the big names obviously. Um, you're going to see most all uh, in the box, um, making a lot of challenges, um, looking looking to draw that penalty. That's what he does. Um, I think I, I think Liverpool has has a better a better defense than most uh, to the counterattacking style of play that that Mourinho's uh, that Mourinho's game brings. But you know, I I, I feel like that's going to be another probably. One one game, a two one game. Um, Liverpool right now is they're they're out of sorts. They 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 don't know who they want to be. Um, they've had some injuries. Um, we know Jurgen Klopp loves to complain about you know fixture congestion. Oh, like this guy's injured, this guy's injured. Well, guess what? You're Liverpool. You know, you you can't use that excuse. You're not Burnley. You know. Who just beat them? <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, uh, I, there's there's nothing that makes me happier than seeing Klopp losing his mind on the sidelines. I mean, he, <laughs> he really is just just a child when he doesn't get his way. But um, yeah, that that said, I think there's still the team to be. Um, they're still going to be there at the end. Um, just like every single team. You see teams go through ups and downs, and, and this is kind of their down period. They lost again today, right? To in, in the FA Cup against uh, Man U, um, who's was, was flying high. So, and and that was a pretty exciting game. Um, you know, so I got a two goals like he always does, and uh, you're you're going to see you're going to see a real physical game. You're going to see a back and forth game. It's not going to be pretty. Um, and, and I think I think Spurs come out actually two one on that, um, give, given the fact that they've learned how to stop. They're they're going to learn how to stop those set pieces, especially with Liverpool. Liverpool loves to score those set pieces. They love to, they love to score on penalties. So um, 
I think Spurs come out on top of that. My my only hope with the Wickham game is that that maybe if if we're going to see the big guys play, we see them play early on in the game versus late in the game, uh, so they can be stubbed off. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think that Steve Dad is probably uh, right on is that they're going to we're going to have a B team, and if if they're needed, which is which what Mourinho does. I mean, you saw him do it in Europa. Um, Bring the bring bring the eighteen guys on to to, to nail it down, but I, I'd rather not see them at all or see them in early in the game so that we can look forward to Liverpool. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I think Spurs are going to start finding form again. Um, people are getting healthy, um, so I it's, we're we're looking at some sunshiny days here. Uh, I think uh, my heart's put away. So I mean. You know, Mike, you've made me think back to the last uh, Liverpool match. Um, if I recall, it, it was tied up 1-1 late. Liverpool got the late goal. And then uh, Jose whispered in Jurgen's ear after the match that the better team didn't win. Um, and my hope is the better team does win this one. And I think I agree with you. It's going to it's gonna be tight. It's going to be a one-goal game, however it turns out. But um, I, I like the mind games. And uh, I think I'd take Jose over Jurgen in, in the mind game department. Any day of the week, so looking forward to that. Hey, I think we've come to the come to the end of our of our conversation. Um, for anybody listening to this, our intentions to do this weekly and kind of do a, a late weekend, just post weekend analysis, and then look ahead at the week ahead. So we're looking forward to doing this again to Mike and to Steve. Uh, appreciate appreciate you guys and appreciate the time. And once again, this is Wicked Spursy, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks. <laughs>